first book of Kings, chapter 22. First Kings, chapter 22, our subject this evening is entitled, The Dangers of Believing a Lying Spirit. The Dangers of Believing a Lying Spirit. First Kings 22, starting to read it, verse 19. And he said, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said, On this manner, and another said, On that manner. And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade men and prevail also. Go forth. And do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets. And the Lord hath spoken evil concerning thee. Now we know the Lord will bless that reading of his own divine and inspired word. The evening blesses by in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of thy word. And we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you sent to die for us, to shed his blood for us. We thank you that he is the truth. And Father, tonight we pray, Lord, that as we go through this service and through this word, that, Lord, that your word would find a lodging place in the hearts of men and women, that your word, Lord, would be inscribed deep in their hearts and imprinted upon their minds. We find, Father, that men and women would be challenged or even... Lord, if one is here that knows not your Son as Savior, they would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that in a world of lies, thou art the truth. We worship you, we exalt you, we magnify you, we bless you, and Father, we need you. We need your Spirit in our lives and in our midst. Thank you, Lord, that he's here to bless convict and convince. Go on in power, Lord, and glorify the Son of God. For Jesus' name's sake we ask it. Amen. It says here in verse 23 of our reading, Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put, notice the Lord hath put, a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil concerning thee. I want you to underline that and take note this evening. The Lord hath put a lying spirit. God himself has put a lying spirit in our narrative into the mouths of Ahab's prophets. So from the outset, Let me say this, in this chapter from verses 1 to verse 18, we have the physical world of the two kingdoms of Israel and their kings, Jehoshaphat from Jerusalem and Ahab in Samaria. And then from verse 19 to verse 23, we have our reading of the spiritual realm where these spirits are before Almighty God in heaven. And then from verses 23 to verse 26, we have their influence and the consequence of what happens in the chapter. The influence and the consequence. Do you know the world is being told lies? Do you know from government levels down, from big pharma down, from big banking systems down, 
There is a lying spirit that has been put into the mouths of many, many men and women. There's religious lying spirits. There are those who claim to know and to love the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those who claim to be even born again. And yet they live in sin. There was one all over social media this week speaking to some of the street preachers. A priest who declared declared that he was born again. Yet he knew nothing of the scriptures. He spoke nothing off the word of God. And in fact, he said that the word of God, you could not take it as truth. And yet the scriptures even tell us thy word is truth. There are lying spirits lying to men and women, men and women who are just generally in society who think that we are okay the way we live. That we are okay because society accepts us Because society says it's okay and because the politically correct government come and they they would say, this is totally normal. Your lifestyle is normal. How you live your life is normal. And yet the word of God may say something completely different. A lying spirit put into the hearts, into the minds of men and women. Are lying spirits behind pulpits. Lying spirits that modernize the scriptures. Modernize the scriptures to say that, for example, Jesus was not born of a virgin. That would say that they try to explain away the miraculous virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are lying spirits in the Mouths of many preachers today and even in their pens as they push them, as they write books after books and they purport to say they know Jesus, but yet they would ecumenize with every false religion under the sun. There are lying spirits who have entered the church and as it were, they have brought new age movement into the church. New Age ideology into the church. And because people have no discerning of spirits, they don't realize where they are. And they don't realize the spirit that's come into their midst and that which they're believing and following. Then there's the man and the woman who feel that they're a good enough person for heaven. That they're a good enough person for glory. And of course, the scripture says there is none good. No, not one. Not one. From this man to every man and woman here, there is none good, no, not one. Not one of us are good enough to enter into God's kingdom, no matter how religious we are, no matter how many times we've even read the Bible. So we want to look at this story, this message. But before we do, to start this message, let me say this evening from the outset, this narrative that we have read, which we just seem to read, and well, God put a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. We have to think about what that says. We can't just read over it and say, well, there you are. God did it. And here's why. Because if God has put a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets, and if this be a real happening, and God has sent a lying spirit forth into the mouth of these prophets, then what happens is that God's holiness is tarnished. God's glorious in holiness, the scripture says, In Exodus 15 and verse 11, it is declared, for the Lord is glorious in holiness. And since he is glorious in his holiness, he cannot lie. Neither can he even purport to be sending forth a spirit. Yet the scriptures plainly say that the Lord hath sent a lying spirit into the mouth of all the prophets. So, does this mean that our holy Father in heaven 
Does this mean that God who is righteous and just, does this mean that God has blemished his character? Does it mean he has tarnished himself? Does it mean he has ruined his wonderful holiness? Puritan Thomas Watson once said, Holiness is the most sparkling jewel in his crown. I want you to get this this evening. Holiness is the most sparkling jewel in the crown of God, as it were. And if holiness is the most sparkling jewel in his crown, then how can he send a lying spirit to cause someone else to believe the lie? We have to look at this. We have to try to work this out. If this be so, and God has put this lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets of Ahab, Isaiah 6 says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And no longer could the seraphim cry that in heaven because he's no longer holy for then God has sinned. If this be true. But rather I... I want to show you that this is more allegorical. Yes, there is a real spirit world. Yes, there was a real lying spirit. And yes, this real spirit world and lying spirit did go and put lies into the mouths of Ahab's prophets. Yes, it happened. But God did not send it forth the way you and I would think it to happen. Stay with me. If God has done these things, then the ninth commandment has been broken. And now the ninth commandment is as important as the other commandments. Doesn't matter whether it was the first one or the tenth one, the ninth one is thou shalt not bear false witness. He's sending a lion's spirit to bear a false witness in the mouth of these prophets. And so if if this be fully true, then God has borne a false witness. And this false witness has brought the demise of a king. And this false witness has brought down a household in Samaria. No longer could the Lord Jesus say, In John 17 and verse 17, sanctify them through thy word, for thy word is truth. If if God has sent forth a lying spirit as we believe it, we couldn't trust him. Think about this. If God has lied and sent forth a spirit to lie, you and I can't trust God. You and I can't trust our heavenly father because he may lie. You and I don't believe him then to keep his word, to keep his covenants, to, to keep his, provi- his promises. And his word, his divine inspired word, loses all authority. What are we going to do with this? His word would be without honor. His word would become partial truth or what people would say, laced with truth or a twisted truth. In other words, it would just be a lie. It would be a lie. And it's something you and I could never stand on. Listen, if God can feel in his covenant promises, and if he can feel in his word because he sent forth a lying spirit, how do we know we can trust him for heaven? How do you know, friend, and how do you know, brother and sister, that you can trust him to save your soul, that you will be saved for all eternity. How do we know we can trust him? If God has sent forth a lying spirit into the mouth of the prophets of Ahab. Listen to Psalm 138 and verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Think about this. The psalmist says, Lord, you have made your word even magnified greater 
than your own name. If God's word is not true, and if God's word fails, then guess what? His name is no good either. We can't trust the name of Jesus. We can't call him Heavenly Father. Since God, or if God, has put a lying spirit into the mouth of all these prophets, then where do we stand? If God has lied, and yet tells us to be holy. The word magnify, thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. It's the word gadal. It means to make large. To cause to grow. The word of God grew in the earth in the sense it spread and men and women have trusted it for centuries. And men and women have relied on it. And men and women have believed in it. And men and women have held on to it. And it has come to pass over and over and over again many times to many lives. And now we seem to throw the proverbial spanner in the works. We wonder... Why and how could God have put a lying spirit into the mouth of the prophets of Ahab? In Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 13, it proclaims of the Lord, Thou art of purer eyes. Notice, thou art of purer eyes and to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. Here's our holy Heavenly Father. And we're told here, Habakkuk is saying, you can't even look on iniquity. You're so holy, you can't have it. Iniquity and sin must be punished. And the end of that man and woman who are in their sin, who are not saved, are going to go to a devil's hell or to a lake of fire. And so the word of God is saying, Father... You yourself, you cannot look upon iniquity because you're so holy. Hence, he must send his son to shed his blood that we might be saved from our sins. But what do we do with this verse? And can we trust him with our souls? Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, Paul says that he is God that cannot lie. He is God that cannot lie. Not God who does not lie. He doesn't lie. But he's God who cannot lie. And his holiness, and his attribute of holiness, he cannot lie. It is impossible. So how do we marry this verse up? God has placed a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets of Ahab. What do we do with this? And can you, can I trust him for all eternity? Puritan William Greenhill said these words, Men's faith may fail him. Sometimes, but God's faithfulness never fails him. I want you to hear it again. Man's faith may fail him sometimes, but God's faithfulness never fails him. So then, please, what do we do with this verse? First Kings 22 and verse 23. Now, therefore, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets. Ahab is infamously known to have married Jezebel, the Zidonian witch. Not trying to be crude, that's what she was. And there, ruling from Samaria over the northern kingdom of Israel, they were wicked, wicked rulers. In fact, every king, every king from the separation of the kingdom of Israel, every king in the northern kingdom done evil in the sight of the Lord, every single one of them. And hence God then brought judgment on them and took them out of the way. Later, going down south to the house of Judah, where Jehoshaphat was a good king. Jehoshaphat was a godly king. And you'll read that in 
from verses 1 to 18 about them coming together. Stay with me for a few moments just to be, to be look at the, the worldly scene that it is. They bring Ahab's prophets before them to prophesy whether they should go up to uh, the city uh, uh, to fight and will they come forth in victory. And so they want to know, surely these prophets, how many prophets have you, Ahab? Oh, I'll bring them all along and they will speak a word to us. Notice here, they come together. Notice it's Ahab's prophets and not the prophets of Baal. And what that means is Ahab's prophets had something left, although twisted, something left of the true Israelitish heritage of worship. Although it had become mongrelized with all sorts of other religions, and they set up the bull calf, and there they worshipped. And hence they, they get around this, and Ahab's in the north, and, and Jehoshaphat is in Jerusalem in the south, and hence he says, will you come, and will you war with me, that we might go and claim the victory? But Jehoshaphat wants to hear from God. You see, brothers and sisters, not every religion knows God. Not even everyone who claims the name of Christ knows Christ. In fact, there are many of them. There are many on their falling down. They're bowing down to idols. They're bowing down to, as it were, the bull calf. They're bowing down to the statues. They're bowing down to venerate them while claiming the name of Christ. And hence the ecumenical movement is drawing in many, many people in. You see, salvation is in Christ and in Christ alone. There is none other and there is none else. Listen to what John Flavel says of Jehoshaphat and he's coming down from Jerusalem and now he's meeting Ahab to see can they work something out together in this ecumenical service of theirs. John Flavel writes, by entertaining strange persons, men sometimes entertain angels unawares, but by entertaining of strange doctrines, many have entertained devils unaware. Sometimes there's a stranger and you may help them and you've maybe entertained an angel unaware. But then there are those who join together with wickedness and through doctrine they have entertained devils unaware. Trust tonight, there's none in this place who are entertaining the thought of ecumenical movement to the worship of devils. I believe with all of my heart, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Ahab in the house of Israel in Samaria, and so he willingly entertains false religion, willingly does it. And now Jehoshaphat is starting to go to meet him. For example, it says in 1 Kings 22 and verse 2, it says, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. Notice he came down. Jerusalem was the city on the hill and he came down. There's only one way to go, brothers and sisters. Friend, there's only one way to go. When you're saved and walking with the Lord, when you're saved and walking with Christ, when you're saved and you're blood washed and you're blood bought and you're trusting only on him, there's only one other way to go if you are mingling with others who have all of these other strange doctrines going on and all of these idols that they're bowing down to and all of these other things. I don't care how many times they walk around a black cube over in Saudi Arabia. It's a doctrine of devils. I don't care 
How many times they bow at a shrine of Mary? It's a doctrine of devils. I don't care how many times they go through their ritual and there's no Christ. That's a doctrine of devils. Just this morning, we told of a, a man who was in a church of Ireland for 30 years. So-called Protestant church for 30 years. And when he was dying, he didn't know that he needed saved. 30 years. Do you see that man? He will answer for the souls that have went into eternity without Christ. He will answer for that. A doctrine of devils. And hence, they start to mingle and to worship together. Note this. And since God had divided the kingdom, God decided to divide the kingdom. And he said when they went to war one with another, he says, not to fight, I'm paraphrasing, for this thing is of me. And now these men are trying to bring together that which God had called out. That which God had called out. You see, when a man and a woman get saved, when a man and a woman are born again, when a man and a woman come to know Christ as their own Lord and personal Savior, when a man and a woman truly know him, that man and woman are called out. That man and woman are called out from the world, called out from religion. They're called out from the ritual. They're called out and they're separated unto Christ. Unfortunately, now it's hard to tell the difference between church and the world in many places. And hence the doctrine of devils will tell people you can live in your lifestyle of sodomy. You can live in your lifestyle of heterosexual sex before marriage. They'll tell you it's all right. God calls you, he calls you out. He calls you out. Jehoshaphat needs to learn. Here he goes and he goes down to see Ahab. And First Chronicles chapter 18 and verse 1, this is what it says. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. Now take note, and joined affinity joined affinity with Ahab. See the word here, affinity, it's the word kathan, and it means to give away a daughter in marriage. Jehoshaphat was, was willing to bring his daughter down to marry into this family. This is a man who, who, who we're told that he sought after the Lord and he walked pleasing to the Lord, yet he was willing to join affinity with this godless, godless man. He tried to join that which God had separated. He tried to join light with darkness. He tried to join the temple of God with idols and believers, if you want, with unbelievers, righteousness with unrighteousness, and Christ with Belial. And it doesn't In Second Chronicles chapter 18 and verse 2, it says, And Ahab, it says of him, he persuaded him, Jehoshaphat, to go up with him to Ramoth-Gilead to join in an attack, that is. Notice Second Chronicles 18 and 3, Ahab, king of Israel, said unto Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Wilt thou go with me unto Ramoth-Gilead? And he, and he say, answered him, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people. Do he's saying, yeah, we're blood. I'm, I'm just like you. But brothers and sisters, we have blood. We have blood. But when you get saved, when you get born again, you're always blood to them. But the things of the Spirit, is that what matters? There are many people and uh, they, they say, if I got saved tonight, what would I do with my family? And how could I tell them? Friend, Christ must come first. Christ must be first. Take note of this. 
Thomas Manton said, we easily catch an infectious disease from one another, but no man receiveth health from another's company. And Jehoshaphat's company was bad company. Jehoshaphat's company was bad company. Jehoshaphat needs to be careful here for fear of falling ill with Ahab's infection for a little leaven leaveneth a whole, the whole lump. Stay with me. I want to look at this. What about this lying spirit? In 1 Kings 22 and verse 7, let's look at it. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord beside, besides that we might inquire of him? Jehoshaphat, you knew fine rightly. Brother, sister, see some of the things that happen in life and places we go and people we're with, and you know fine rightly. You know fine rightly. Jehoshaphat knew fine rightly. They brought all these prophets in, they were lying. They thought they were prophesying, it was all lies. And here Jehoshaphat says, Is there not a prophet of the Lord? I want to hear what God says. He knew fine rightly. He knew he was in the wrong place. He knew things weren't right here. And hence he asked for a prophet of the Lord. Verse 8, And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man. There is yet one man. Thank God for the one man. Thank God for the one man that will stand no matter what and tell you the truth. Thank God for the one man who will stay true to the scriptures and true to Christ. Thank God for the one man without shame, unashamed and unafraid. Thank God for the one man who will stand out and preach the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And thank God for the one man, the man who he has set in place to bring this people the word of the Lord. Thank God for this one man. In all of the house of Israel, I wonder where he came from. I've thought about it and I don't know. Because they're all lying prophets. They're all lying prophets. And the king of Israel said unto, unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah. Or if you want the, the proper rendering, his name is Mikayahu. And listen to what he says of him. There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. Notice what he says. But I hate him. I hate him. You know why he hates him? Because the man told him the truth. Because the man told him the truth. Because the man told him not what he wanted to hear, but the man told him what he needed to hear. And he says, I hate him. Notice, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. So here he's saying, this man never, pre- he never prophesies anything good about me. Micaiah's name means who is like God. And brothers and sisters, who is like God? There's a man in the whole of the darkness of the northern kingdom. Who is like God when the darkness is all around you? Who is like God when you're full of fear and dread in your life that comes to attack you? And who is like God when sickness ravishes your body? Who is like God when you have no hope in this life? And who is like God when you find yourself at wit's end corner? Who is like God? And who is like God when friends seem to flee and leave us? And who is like God when, when there's mourning and great distress in our families and in our homes and in our lives? Who is like God when no one else can help you? When none can stand by you? Who is like God? Who is like God when finances fail us and economic depression comes? Who is like God when we need courage and we need direction? Who is like God when we need redemption and salvation? And who is like God when we need deliverance? But who is like God when we need absolute truth? Well, Isaiah 46 and verse 5, the Lord asked, To whom will you liken me? 
and make me equal and compare me that we may be like. Who is like him? Ask you. Who have you found? Who is like Jesus? Who is like Jesus to you? There's none like the Lord. There is none like him. And so they take in 1 Kings 22, verse 10, please. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, set each on his throne, having put on their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Chananiah, made him horns of iron, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, with these shalt thou push the Syrians until thou hast consumed them. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up the Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the king's hand. Here's all of Ahab's prophets. One of them actually takes the time to make two horns. One for the house of Israel, one for the house of Judah. And he makes the horns, he says, see with these horns, with your army and with your army, with you Ahab and you Jehoshaphat. He says, you go up the Ramoth Gilead and you will push them back and you will be victorious and you will conquer. And everybody's all happy, clappy, let's all go, you know. It reminds me of, you know, whenever they're in those really charismatic, charismaniac meetings when there's all chaos breaks loose. Chaos breaks loose in it. And all the prophets have a word and everybody's prophesying. I believe in prophecy. I'm a Pentecostal. I believe in it. But it goes mad. Every prophet under the sun has come in and they're all giving their little toot and peep here and there. And they're starting to say this and that and the other. And everybody's going, isn't this wonderful? And it was never from the Lord. It was never from the mouth of God. It was the lying spirit that was put into their mouths. Let's be careful of who prophesies over us. Notice here, notice what it says in our, in our chapter. Verse 13, in the messengers, messenger that was gone to call Micaiah, Spake unto him, saying, Behold now the words of the prophets. Declare thy good to the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them. And they spake that which is good. Listen, it would be far easier for you if you just prophesied along with them. That's what he's saying. Before he's here for you, speak good to Ahab. Ahab is going mad because you're even in the palace. Just do what everybody else does and go along with the flow. That's what they're telling you today, isn't it? Do what everyone else is doing and go along with the flow. And if you don't go along with the flow, you don't really care much about people, sure you don't. Have you the courage Have you got the courage to do what this lonely prophet has done? Verse 14, and Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. I'm not going to do what you want me to do, and I'm not going to say what you want me to say. I'm going to say what God tells me to say. I think we need a few preachers like that in Ulster, don't we? We need a few preachers like that in Ulster. I'm going to put into the ears of Ahab that which God puts into my mouth. Verse 15, so he came to the king and the king said unto him, Micah, shall we go up against Ramoth Gilead to battle? Shall we forbear? And he answered him, go and prosper for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Now, you have to take note here. Notice what the king says. The king said, verse 16, sorry. And the king said unto him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? 
Now he's actually getting to hear what he wants to hear and he realizes it's not real. Hey, Hob, do you want to go up? Listen, do you want to go up and sin? Do you want to go up without the Lord? Do you want to live like that? Do you want to go your own way? Then go ahead. That's what he's saying. Just go up. The thing about it is, brothers and sisters, as much as we would encourage people to go on with God, sometimes we have to leave people and let them find their own way for God to deal with them. Brother, can I ask you, because I said it this morning, many, many people, not only here but other places, but, but people have fallen away throughout this last 18 months from the Lord. Fallen away. They haven't even come under the persecution. You know, they're not being, they're not being hung, drawn, and quartered. They're not being boiled in oil. They've fallen away. And it makes me wonder. And it makes me think. And I ponder this in my head when I lie in bed at night. What did they ever have? What did they ever have in the first place? I mean, in their heart, what did they ever have? Did they ever have him at all? Did they ever know Christ at all? If boredom can make you fall away from Jesus, you don't know him. You don't have him. You want to go, brother? You want to go, Ahab? You want to go up the room off Gilead? You want to go into the battle? You want to go into tomorrow? Brother, sister, you want to go in and you want to do this Saturday or without the Lord? You want to go and walk away from him and go into the world and see how you fare? Then go ahead! Do you know him? Do you know him? Because to know him is to love him. That's what's happening in our story. That's what's happening in our scripture here. And he's saying that which is true in the name of the Lord. He said, verse 17, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? No, he's changed his mind. The prophet Micaiah says, you know what? Well, I'll tell you what's happened. I see Israel and they're not victorious. I see Israel and they're scattered upon all the mountains. In other words, I see them and they're defeated. Bodies lying, blood, guts, and gore. Is that all right, Ahab? Nahab turns and says, Then I tell you, Jehoshaphat, that he wouldn't speak good to me. In other words, that he wouldn't actually tell me what I want to hear. I wonder what we want to hear when it comes to the word of the Lord. I wonder what we all want to hear when it comes to God's word. And maybe there's someone here and you're not saved and you're saying, I don't want to hear this. Well, God has brought you here to hear this because God makes no mistakes. So Micaiah gives the narrative of the reading concerning the lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets of Ahab Now take note, did God sin? Boy, that's, if you understand, you get the grips of the holiness of God, the purity in him, there is no darkness at all. And if you get the grips with it, even to say, did God sin? It's nearly like an arrow through the heart. And can you trust him? Can I trust him? Will he keep his word? Can we believe his word? Can we preach his word to the lost and say, here is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, the absolute truth in a world of lies where lying spirits are not only behind some pulpits, but lying spirits are in government.
Brothers and sisters, let's remember in John 8 and 44, Jesus says the devil is a liar. But if God has placed this lying spirit in the mouths of these prophets, does that mean God is a liar? It is said here that the prophet Micaiah has a touch of sarcasm in his voice in the text. Yes, Ahab, your prophets claim to speak for Yahweh, but they're liars. As though God would put a lying spirit in the mouth of all your prophets. That's the idea of this. While they did believe a lying spirit and while they did believe that this was them prophesying. And why the Lord God is sovereign over all things. God is sovereign over everything. There's lying spirits in Westminster. There's lying spirits in Brussels, in Washington. Lying spirits speaking in to the elites. Lying spirits. Lying spirits telling people that substance abuse will kill the pain. Lying spirits. Lying spirits. If that was said from the Lord and has God sinned, listen, God is sovereign over everything, okay? God was not giving a command to lie. Here is the crux of this. As we close this message, God was not, I want to repeat it, God was not giving a command for the spirit to lie. But God left permission to do what was in its own heart. The nature of the lying spirit would appeal to the nature of fallen man. I'm going to say it again. The nature of the lying spirit would appeal to the nature of of fallen man, i.e. Ahab. And hence God says, from your own lying mouth, these prophets will love to have it so. Let me give you an example. There are men and women who are not saved and the lying spirit talks to their mind to say there is no God. God didn't actually send that lying spirit, but that lying spirit does what a lying spirit does. And the man or the woman of fallen nature will receive that. A man or a woman who are in addiction, a lying spirit tells them to take this alcohol or drugs or whatever. And it's the fallen nature that it will appeal to. So when it says that a lying spirit came, it's not that God sinned in sending forth a lying spirit. It was the lying spirit's nature to appeal to a fallen man, to appeal to the fallen nature of a man. Matthew Poole, in his commentary, says, it's as though God was saying, I will not hinder thee from tempting them, nor give them grace to withstand their temptation. Hereby thou mayest be assured of success. In other words, God was saying, this is going to show what's in the heart of man. I want you to get this because this is in every heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. And it's in every single one of us in our fallen nature, our depraved nature, that we love to hear what we want to hear. But thank God when you're born again, you love to hear what your father says. Did God sin? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. 
Where would we all be but for the grace of God? So, in the roundup of this, God God's word says, the lion's spirit comes forth with the host of heaven. I'll go. I'll tell them. I'll do the dirty deed. Brothers and sisters, the lying spirit is lying in the hearts of men and women every day. You have plenty of time. You don't need Jesus. Don't worry about all this born again stuff. Don't worry about the cross. Take your time to the next meeting. The heart of man says, yeah, okay. When the spirit of God speaks to you, you cannot help yourself. It's called irresistible grace. It draws you to Christ until you can hold no longer, but yield yourself to him. So they believe the lying spirit. You can read a chapter when you get a chance. They believe the lying spirit. And when they believe this lying spirit, what happens? They go to battle and they have us killed. That's the consequence. Ahab dies and they lose the battle because he believes the lying spirit rather than the Holy Spirit. The lying spirit. The Holy Spirit. Can you believe a lying spirit or will you believe the Holy Spirit? I trust him, I you will hear with the inner ear and receive Christ if you don't know him. And listen not nor adhere to a lying spirit. May God bless us tonight. May God bless his word to all of our hearts.